Welcome to the Life at Disney Podcast, the show where you'll discover what it's like to be part of the story and a career with Disney as we bring the Walt Disney Company's core values, culture, and work to life. We're your hosts, Tony Williams and Ashley Siegel, and we're going to share some remarkable stories from the perspectives of the people and the teams behind the magic. This week, both our guests hail from our Disney Studios content team. Our studio is the core of where the Walt Disney Company started nearly 100 years ago. Today, it brings quality movies, episodic storytelling, music, and stage plays to consumers throughout the world. It encompasses a collection of respected film studios that release under the Disney, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Pixar Animation Studios, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, 20th Century Studios, and Searchlight Pictures Banners. It's also home to Disney Theatrical Productions, producer of world-class stage shows. To kick things off, we're going behind the scenes to studio marketing. Let's welcome to the show, Nicole Roberts, Senior Manager of Global Marketing Strategy. Nicole, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Tony. Happy to be here. Very, very happy to have you. How are you doing? Good. Can't complain, you know, still working from home, but it's, it's been a good experience so far. Awesome. Awesome. I know that's been, it's kind of been a mixed bag for some, some, some folks. So always happy to hear um, that it's been a good experience for you and hopefully for your team business um, and everything happening in content marketing. Uh, so really excited to hear about your experience, both in joining the Walt Disney Company, um, your experience in your role and the incredible work that you're leading. So I'll, I'll start at the beginning, I guess. Tell us a bit about your Disney career and how you got started with the company. Yeah, I'll try and make a long story short, but I started off at the company uh, seven years ago, almost to the month, um, as a temp at the company. Um, I came in as a a temporary assistant. My sister thought it would be a good idea for me to join the temp pool while I was doing some project work um, on the side, and I did. And the first desk that I ended up on was the head of global publicity um, at the studios, Michelle Sewell. And I worked for her and supported her and her team for the couple months while she was looking for a permanent assistant. And from there, that kind of just started my long-term long-term temp assignment um, journey at the company. I went from her desk to uh, multicultural, working for that team for a little bit, um, then on to global promotions. And the last desk I ended up on was the president of marketing at that time, who was Ricky Strauss. Um, I was temping uh, as another assistant on his desk and very quickly realized that um, working at that level and seeing marketing from um, a high level and um, just really getting the opportunity to meet executives from all across the company. It'd be a great opportunity for me to step into that role if possible. So I applied, got the job, and that's where my um, Disney journey kind of really began was on that desk. And um, I did that for about two and a half years. Around that time, I was, you know, getting to the point where I was ready for something new. And um, the president came to myself and the other assistant and let us know that he had been tasked to lead content and marketing for the new Disney SVOD um, streaming service that was being built out. And we could come if we would like. And we, of course, jumped on the opportunity and we made our way to Disney Plus Um, at the time. There wasn't much of a team there that was focused on um, the content and marketing, awareness marketing of the service. So we um, really just were on the ground floor of that whole experience, which was a wild time. And um, shortly after, I moved off of the desk and into the growing marketing department and got the chance to really hop around and experience different teams. 
And again, to make my long story a little shorter, Disney Plus launched to really fantastic success. Um, and when the opportunity came up to come back to the Disney Studios side of things and focus on our content that was going to Disney Plus, I jumped on the opportunity because it seemed like a perfect fit. And that's where I am today. Uh, I'm one. I'm so interested in the long version of that story. There are so many <laughs> twists and turns in there, which sounds so interesting. Um, but I think there's so many takeaways already. Right, first that there there are opportunities at the Walt Disney Company that are maybe tip opportunities, project hires. Right, that one allow you allow you to kind of understand and see more of the organization overall, um, and that two that can lead to where you are. Um, Two, we always say here that Disney is a great place to recreate your career. And in that about a minute and 15 seconds, I think you recreated your career maybe <laughs> four or five times. Yeah. And if you hear the long story, it's, it's you know, I've been on a creative team. I've reported to somebody in digital, it's strategy, international creative. It's been a very interesting journey um, that kind of all led me to where I am, which I think is a perfect fit. You're, you're at the your studio's marketing, right? Help us understand for the folks that might not be super familiar with Disney overall as an organization, right? Where do you sit at the intersection of all of our magic, right? We've got parks, we've got streaming services, we have so many things going on. Where exactly do you sit and where does your work sit? Yeah, so Disney Studios, like in the intro that you mentioned, we have a, a, a plethora of brands that feed into Disney Studios. So there's Lucasfilm, there's Marvel Studios, there's our animation studios, both Walt Disney and Pixar Animation Studios. There's 20th Century Studios, there's Searchlight. So within Disney Studios, um, our marketing team is responsible for essentially keeping it really simple, getting audiences to come watch our content. So whether that be on Disney+, Plus, um, sometimes on Hulu, in theaters, our team um, pushes forward marketing materials, whether that be posters, trailers, um, advertisements on television. Um, all of that is coming from our team to encourage and get people really excited about our content. Awesome. And you all do an incredible job because I'm excited about everything that comes out. I might take like a niece or nephew with me sometimes to the theatrical releases as an excuse. Um, you all do a great job, I think, getting folks really excited about the content. Um, and for good reason, right? Knowing how much work goes into creating all of that. And so you've, you've given us an overview of your team, right? Really interested in your day-to-day -day responsibilities, right? What, what does a day in the life of senior manager of global marketing strategy look like? Sure. I think first I can explain a little bit about what our overall team does. So as a global marketing strategy team um, at Disney Studios is um, the team that sets forth the overall marketing strategy for our marketing campaigns. So within that, um, my role in particular, I focus on um, Disney live action titles that are coming theatrically um, or on one of our streaming services, most likely Disney Plus for the titles that I'm working on. Um, and we set out the overall marketing strategy, how we're approaching reaching certain audiences, the messaging we want to go out into the marketplace. Um, that is all coming from our team. Um, so for me in particular, I am you know kicking off the teams on that marketing strategy early on and the, the, um, the various marketing teams kind of activate under that strategy and start creating their own plans. And it is my job along with the rest of my team to make sure that our marketing campaign kind of keeps on the, um, the path that we intended from the beginning to make the launch of our, our show or our film really successful. You also asked about a day in the life. 
<laughs> so honestly, that my 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 role is filled with emails and presentations and kickoffs, like I said, kicking off internal teams, external vendors, other parts of the company, and really um, shaping what our strategy will be for our film. So my day is filled with all kinds of fun stuff, getting approvals on creative, how our messaging is being used elsewhere. So yeah, that's a little peek into my day. What a fun day. Do any of those days include kind of a sneak peek or or viewing of content well before it's released? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. That's a really key part of how we think about films. I mean, we are a lot of times getting scripts. So before projects even go into production, we're reading scripts and starting to shape our thought around how we're approaching the campaign that early on. So um, from the production announcement, how that is released, who we're including in the production release, if we're holding back cast for another big announcement down the line, all of that's part of our strategic thinking um, really, really early out in the campaign. So as soon as an early cut is ready from filmmakers, we are watching that content. We are seeing multiple versions of that content as it is changed and reiterated and reformulated and and um, all the way up until it gets to its final version that audiences see um, in theaters or on platforms. How cool is that? Um, to to really see and probably even sometimes touch, depending on the activation, um, your the impact of your work. And and that's such an important part, I think, of fulfillment in the work that you do, right? When you're spending, you know, any number of hours working um, on a project to be able to say, here's the impact that I'm having for my organization, for my team, um, for, for the content, whatever that might be. And I imagine that's probably a, a really cool moment to have. But of all of those great moments, right, of, of all of the amazing magic that you've created for audiences and for viewers, is there a favorite moment or a, a favorite campaign or project that you've worked on that you're just like, I love this. I do it again any day. Oh, man, there's so many really cool ones. Um, one that always sticks out with me just because of how quickly it came onto our plate and how short the campaign was, was working on Black is King. Um, it showed up on our table very, you know, very, it was just a quick one. And we were just so excited to get that film out into the world. It was, we could have burst. I mean, I was just so thrilled to to finally have that up on Disney Plus. So that was really exciting. Um, I also really loved working on the first season of Disney's Launchpad. So for those who don't know what that is, it is a program that started within the studio. There's a whole team, the Launchpad team, who um, is working towards making the entertainment industry more inclusive. And so they're tasked to find writers and directors um, from underrepresented backgrounds who are have stories to tell. Um, and they get to do so with the backing of Disney behind them. And it's it's been an incredible experience to be a part of that from the early stages and um, really find innovative ways to make sure that underrepresented uh, underrepresented groups are incorporated and their voices are really being heard. So that's, those are two. That's, those are both amazing, right? Um, One, because Black is King involved Beyonce, so like (laughs) automatically amazing. Right. Um, (laughs) Out there. Um, and to really see the, the commitment that news, Disney's made to inclusion reflected in so many ways. We, we've seen it for a while, I think, in our content and in our storytelling. Um, and you're privy to those efforts, certainly in terms of our employee base overall. Um, but to also know when it comes to the folks that are immediately behind the camera, right? I think maybe some of us a few steps even further removed from that, but that we're thinking about the writers and the producers and the people that are really, really touching the content on the other side of the camera. 
um, I think it's, it's great to hear that that we've made that investment um, programmatically, right? And I think in a very practical way. Um, and how cool is it you got to be a part of that work? Yeah, and it's I think it's going to be exciting to see where those filmmakers end up and say like we knew them when, you know. So yeah, it's great. That's interesting. No, that's that's great, and thank you for that. Right, that that the variety of folks that that go into telling the story, right, is just as important. Uh, is the diversity amongst the folks for whom the stories are being told, the various communities that are represented by these stories. Um, and, and that community for, for Disney is global. And we know that the Walt Disney Company, we can find Disney anywhere in the world, right? Um, and that is probably a, a huge part of that is due to the work of, of your team. And so wondering, and you, you hinted at this a bit, but I want to dig in a bit more, right? How does your team really take into consideration the global audiences, right, for content? Do, do campaigns look different in different places? Um, do co- campaigns maybe even look different for your, your Disney Plus work from your theatrical work, right, knowing that you're part of those releases as well? How do you all conceptualize all of that work to address all of those audiences? So I would say sometimes, you know, when we're thinking about global audiences, the one thing that stands out is that the Disney name in itself is recognized worldwide, which is a really a really exciting place to be. Um, yeah, there are times where we have to shift um, our campaign strategies depending on where we're releasing a film, just because you know different audiences have different experiences and and cultural understanding. So there are times where we will have to shift. Um, the overall marketing strategy that comes out of our team still is relevant, but we have international teams who will take that information and um, shape the campaign strategy for their markets. That's always a possibility. Um, But overall, the global nature of the Disney name is a strong one. And as we think about how we approach that, um, it's, it's exciting to know that we can kind of tap into the Disney fan and everyone, quote unquote, everyone, um, because of those touch points I mentioned where we are reaching people, whether it be, um, you know, watching an animated film when you're really young or buying a product in a store or an experience that a child or an adult has had at our parks, we already have these touch points that we can lean into. And especially for me, I'm working on a lot of these Disney live action titles that tie back to a nostalgia point in people's lives. So we have Pinocchio coming up soon, the the live action retelling. And, you know, for those people who've always loved Pinocchio or Tinkerbell or Geppetto, they have, you know, a a soft spot in their heart for that film already that we can tap into when we move forward in our campaign. Um, when we're thinking about sequels like Hocus Pocus 2, we have, you know, fans who love, love, loved that first film and are so excited to see, you know, our Sanderson sisters come back to um, the screen again. So being able to think about those early touch points along the way that Disney has already had with our audiences is really key to the way we think about our campaigns and how we can reach them again and, and really tap on that, that um, love for the brand or love for um, the title. Kudos on the Hocus Pocus 2 marketing. You know, sequels can be kind of hit or miss, um, but as a fan, you have me excited for part two. Excellent. Which is not easily, easily done. So kudos <laughs> to y'all for that. We're for excited sure. to bring that one to, um, to you guys. It's going to be, it's going to be a great one. I'm imagining kind of the, the the marketing office with like a heat map of all of our content right. of like this is really hot here, this is really hot there. Really, we um, could, we could. <laughs> and then there's just like a big hot point over my house where everything is great. Right, all the um, things lighting up. <laughs> all the things. 
So exciting. So exciting. And so you've had such an interesting journey, right? You do really, really interesting work. Um, and what I want to shift us to next, right, is the fact that you're doing that work at Disney. And you you have obviously had a great journey. You are brilliant in the way that you do your work. And you're, you're choosing to do it again at the Walt Disney Company. Why? Why Disney? Why Disney? You know, the Disney brand, the Disney name is iconic. And it's, you know, I'm grateful to work for a company that as soon as I say that I work for the Walt Disney Company, wherever I am, um, people are often impressed, not because of the work that I do necessarily, because I think a lot of them probably think I work at Disneyland to this day, um, but I think they're more more impressed because the, the Disney name is familiar to them, whether it be from our films, from our experiences, um, there is a familiarity and a, a nostalgia that is associated with the Disney name. And I think, you know, whether it be innovation or optimism, there are all these really important feelings that people get when they hear Disney. And it's really exciting to be a part of continuing the, the story of the brand and being a part of that. That's awesome. Um, and I, I, being a part of that, right, but you, you are making that, right, in your world. Um, you are making that magic. You are making that <laughs> feeling so that when people see um, a Miss Marvel poster, right, they think optimism, they think innovation. That is, that's a direct result of your work. And so you, you've given us so many gems, right, from, from how important it is for you yourself to be flexible, um, given your journey and, and adaptable and to, to speak up, right, and share your voice, to bring yourself to your work, right, those stories that are important to you in the way that you tell stories here. Um, but for folks that are listening and thinking, Nicole has the coolest job in the world. I'm trying to be where she's at. You know, give me give me a couple of years. How do I get there? What advice would you give someone um, who's who's interested in your world? Right, where where you always about the marketing space? Did you find it? Here are the skills that you should develop and think about. Here's where the industry's going. What advice would you give? Um, I think I would tell. Um, most people, not to be afraid to step out and try something new. Um, like you've heard in my my history at Disney, I have definitely um, been given the opportunity to try a, a few different things along the way as I found my way to the to the right fit. Um, so always be curious about you know where your interests lie. Um, and for me. I started off on um, on the public relations side of things. My degree is in that sector. And as I stepped into public relations and doing more of that work and getting a little bit of a hint of the marketing side of the business, I was able to kind of pivot and um, go in that direction. So I would say just keep your options open and always stay curious about where your interests will take you. And um, don't be afraid to, to try something new. It can be scary, but hopefully... Um, taking a step out and and stepping outside of your comfort zone will continue to to push you to learn more about yourself, about the world around you, and um, propel your your career forward. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, so many things have come up that again are, are themes. I think in a lot of our Disney experience, and that's innovation, that's curiosity, that that's flexibility, that's getting outside of your comfort zone. Um, and to hear that those things yeah. reign true, right? No matter where we are in, in the big world of Disney is is really great, I think. Um, 
Absolutely. I mean, for me in my career, there were so many opportunities that I could have stepped away from out of fear. Um, Public speaking, for instance, is not my forte, but I'm on a podcast. Look at me now. Um, (laughs) You just never know where um, saying yes to that scary thing will lead you. Awesome. Nicole, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing so much of your Disney experience. Um, The amazing work that you and your team are doing every day. Uh, to help more folks understand and see what's happening at Disney and to get excited, right, about the things that are coming from Disney because they're they're really exciting um, in and of themselves. Really looking forward to hopefully chatting again soon. Um, And thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Tony. It's been a pleasure. Now we're going to lean into a specific Walt Disney Studio company, Lucasfilm. Since 1975, Industrial Light and Magic, ILM, has set the standard for visual effects, creating some of the most stunning images in the history of film. At the forefront of the digital revolution, ILM continues to break new ground in the field, not only in visual effects, but now in virtual reality, augmented reality, immersive entertainment, and virtual production. To talk more about this, let's welcome virtual production supervisor at ILM, Ian Millam. Hey, Ian. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. I'm excited to learn more about your work. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, we always say that everybody has a Disney story. So after 20 years in in your career in entertainment, how did you find your way to Industrial Light and Magic in Disney? Well, um, you know, like a lot of these things, like a lot of people's journeys, it was sort of circuitous. And then you get there and you find that you unwittingly had been training yourself to be ready for right when that moment did did happen. As a kid, I loved to draw. That was my favorite thing. But I knew I wasn't really a fine artist. I wasn't a painter. I didn't want to hang in galleries or any of that kind of stuff. And it so happened that my sort of my high school years coincided with sort of a golden age of Disney animation. The Little Mermaid came out my freshman year. Beauty and the Beast came out my junior year, sort of like right in there. And I thought I was going to do that. But it turned out that my like I wasn't fast enough as of a drawer. My draftsmanship wasn't that good. I was that wasn't available to me. But what happened in the 90s is computers came around and suddenly drawing wasn't the gate that uh, you, th- you know, it might have been at an earlier time. So I went to school to learn illustration and uh, used and started to use computers more and found my way into, like you said, the interactive entertainment industry, a lot of video game stuff, a lot of. So the big difference there is that the graphics are created in real time right. as opposed to being pre-rendered. And I did that for a long time. And then about five years ago, ILM had this crazy application for real-time graphics. And they were looking for some folks to come help that had a lot of experience in that area. And uh, we started to talk, and here we are. That is so cool. So how long have you been in, in the company? Uh, I joined in the uh, about five years ago. Very cool. So five years with ILM, and and how has that been? What does your your day to day look like um, with the work that you're doing? So my job as a virtual production supervisor on ILM Stagecraft System really depends on where we are in uh you know in our schedule and what we're working on. If we are shooting something, and I will be on set as the leader of the stagecraft team and what that means is people think that's a lot of 
like directing and telling the stagecraft team what to do. And there's actually not that much of that because the team is excellent. They know what they're doing. They don't need me to tell them what to do. But um, they need me to be the sort of ambassador liaison connection between the um, practical production crew, the people that are shooting the movie. And uh, so I can sort of keep each party up to date with what's going on and making sure that everything is running successfully and everything like that. So when we're, when I'm on set shooting a movie or a TV show, that's my role. And then in between that, I work with a lot of potential people who want to create movies and TV shows and have something specific that maybe there's a problem they need solving or they want to learn more about how stagecraft might work. Uh, or they want to break down a script and like, is this a good idea? Should we do this? How does this work? And I work with them to make sure that um, everything has the potential to go great. It's so fascinating. And for those who may not be super familiar with stagecraft, can you explain a little bit what stagecraft is and how that really functions? Sure. You know, uh, LED volumes and all this kind of virtual production is getting kind of buzzy and becoming a big thing. But actually, at ILM, it's built on stuff that we've been doing for right. you know, 30 years um, a, a, as we've built up these sort of different ways of exploring how to make a movie with stuff. You know, virtual production sounds like this crazy word, but what it really means is like production in film industry terms would be shooting a movie, the actual shooting of it. There's pre, there's pre-production, there's post-production. Production is the part where you actually shoot it. So virtual production would be shooting a movie involving things that are there virtually. So we've been doing that for a long time. But the big innovation now is imagine you're shooting a movie inside of a stage that's entirely made of TVs. And so you can put anything on those TVs. And with the how powerful computers have gotten, we can before like you could put anything on a picture like that's not new. But the ability now to track the camera and change the background per frame to whatever that camera sees means that we can break the plane of this volume, we call it, and make it feel like it's a real place. Like it's not just a picture, but it's a portal to a place. And what's amazing there is that we can do all kinds of cool stuff with that potential. So um, we started to do this about four years ago, and it's gradually, it's just been exploding. And it's a amazing benefit because not only it compared to maybe shooting against blue screen, everybody can see it. The director can see it. The actors can see it. Everybody gets what's going on. Also, you can change it live and it's contributing not only a background, but lighting and reflections over everything. So things look that much more real. That's incredible. When, when we think about the, the films and the shows that Lucasfilm has put out in the last few years, what was the first major project that either you were working on or that Stagecraft was involved with? The, the big debut of this technology was on The Mandalorian. So, uh, yeah, I was the virtual production soup on, on that. And the idea was really born out of the work that John Favreau had done previously and some of the growth in technologies that we had. And we really needed a project that would commit to the degree to really push through and see if we could pull this off. And The Mandalorian was that project. And I'll always be grateful for that. That's incredible. So... When we're thinking about creating full environments like you're like you're explaining, what's your favorite part of that full process? I think my favorite part is when working, you know, especially because my job is working frequently with the people outside of the stagecraft team itself um, is working with a filmmaker or a or a director of photography or an art director or somebody 
who maybe thinks they can't do what they were hoping. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times people think about like, oh, I mean, you know, inevitably when you get to the physical filmmaking process, there are compromises. Uh, If you want to have something that happens on a remote volcanic island, those are hard to get to. Um, Taking 100 people to a remote volcanic island for weeks is expensive and difficult. There's all, you know, the sun goes down. Uh, you can't do sunset for, you know, uh, you can, if you write a long scene that happens at sunset, you only get like an hour a day where you can do that. And maybe you're going to be there for a long time. And maybe someone's going to go, man, that's really expensive. Are we, you, you know, you're blowing your budget, so it has to be sunset. And the inevitably the person whose idea it was is like, oh, you're right. Okay, maybe not. Maybe we can't do that. What's exciting for me is to be the person who says yes, who says like, we can save it. We can make it sunset. We can give you a a... a a volcanic island and we can preserve that vision that you had and enable it to um to enable it to it actually happen and they're usually very happy when they hear that that's super cool and I, I i assume there's a lot of those instances especially when you're talking about space and galaxies far far away right? yes i mean although it is interesting i think people think of crazy fantastical places as the use for this and yes but crazy fantastical places, we were always doing that. Right. Um, what is also exciting about this is the real world and the way that we can bring the real world to people in a yeah. way that's accessible and in a way that is um, logistically possible. So it's not only for space and distant planets, although we end up doing a lot of that, especially at least. So. <laughs> um, but like the history of Star Wars back in the day, they had to shoot it somewhere. So right. like – Yes, it's a it's a mystery planet, but it's also grounded in reality. And so being able to bring that reality um, is pretty exciting. That's awesome. Thinking about, you know, all of the different projects that you've taken on, what was the most either favorite or most significant for you when you're thinking about um, your own growth and development in your career? Ooh, I mean, it is pretty tough to top the Mandalorian as the yeah. first thing. Um, it was incredibly exciting because... Uh, you know, you, you kind of show up to this very, I'll be honest, very high stakes uh, yeah. thing, right? This was a big deal. I mean, when you think about the launch of Disney Plus, when you yeah. think about um, bringing Star Wars to television, and then with this whole new technology, and then I show up, I've never done this before. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I have a healthy respect for what's going on. The good news, though, is if I could calm down for a little minute, no one's ever done this before. We're all right. we're all learning. We're all trying. So that was very um, exciting and freeing to be like, man, this is a big deal. Uh, and we're all going to learn a lot together. And right. the great news is, is like three or four days in, we learned, oh, my gosh, this is going to work. Uh, it's tricky, but like this is going to work. And that was that was incredibly exciting. That's super cool. And I think, you know, you bring up such a good point with how it's being distributed and how it's being created, right? This is not a film, even though it is film quality, film standard. Um, You're making a TV show and it's being distributed on this totally new space for Disney, right? Like streaming is, is so new for us as a company. So what an, what an exciting way to, to be showcasing our innovation on so many levels, right? The innovation of, of the storytelling itself and creating of, of the content, but also all the way through to how that gets 
um, distributed out to fans around the world. Like that must have been mm-hmm. such an exciting thing to kind of get to be a part of from end to end. Totally. And it added to the like, I don't I don't know how this is going to go. What 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 is you know how many people are going to see this? What kind of thing? And then it you know until the first time I saw Grogu on set, which was like day two, and I went oh and I went oh oh this is going to be big. This is going to be a big <laughs> thing. That's fine. How long did you have to hold that in for? Oh, like a year, a little a year and a half. Yeah. Oh, it was a big deal. That was a that was a big secret. I had after we were done shooting. I did a presentation of what we learned because we learned a lot so much, you know, technically about stagecraft. So I did a presentation back at ILM to like only only ILM folks and a very restricted amount amount of people were in there. And even still, they scrubbed through every slide of my presentation and I had missed in the background of one thing, little little Rogu in the back there in the scene. And they were like, you got to get that. So I wasn't even allowed to show it to other ilm folks um until and and but they were right like it 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 was so magical because that secret was kept for so long having a career that you've had for so long in the gaming industry um and now moving into the film side of things how do you really see those those industries and those worlds overlapping um and how might that kind of continue as as technology continues to to innovate well you're totally right it's very exciting times on all the aspects because it, those worlds are coming together both from a tools and technology perspective, from an art and storytelling perspective, and even from an audience perspective where you're seeing more um, interactivity between audience and creator all around in society. And so games are really based on that idea of the interactability and the participation of players, right? And they use real-time content that responds to you and changes in real time as the foundation of that. And we're using real-time content now to create movies and TV shows as we interact with film crews and as they make requests or as they, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? We can make that happen. And so underneath it, you see that the tools are coming together and you're seeing the attitudes come together about how the, the audience and the, and the creators all, all work together. So it's a really exciting time to be an artist or a storyteller in all these directions because we're all engaging with multiple screens and multiple formats and different ideas and that those stories are living from one format to the other and that people are participating from one one format for the other is very exciting so i would say to people who are interested or um, historically have been filmmakers or people who have historically been interactive artists or who knows all kinds of other stuff to that it's a great time to move beyond those horizons and work with each other and you might be shocked at how much your skills translate into the uh, into the other arenas. So thinking about the teams that you get to work with, I assume there's folks really all over the world that you're working with, depending on what the locations are and um, both within Lucasfilm and ILM and also across the Walt Disney Company and our studios. So what is really the culture um, of, of ILM within within Disney and, and how do you all get to work with the larger uh, Walt Disney Company? It is pretty exciting and what's been pretty great. So obviously... Uh, we we pioneered stagecraft with Star Wars and Lucasfilm and um, Disney Plus. We've also had an opportunity to work with Marvel on several of the Marvel features, so that's been incredibly exciting. And having that broad support and uh, the being able to team with such amazing storytellers and visionaries has been really exciting. I think the the defining 
culture of industrial light and magic is you come to ILM when something hasn't been done before. And there's a, there's like, I don't know how we're going to do this. This is, you know, where there's a need to innovate. And so at ILM, we have to be comfortable with that. ILM is full of incredibly smart, incredibly kind, um, curious people who only have kind of an idea about how they're going to accomplish what they're about to try. And that's very exciting. And it leads to a culture of knowledge sharing because you're like, man, how are we going to do this? Well, um, there's this woman over here who has done something like this a bit before, not exactly like this. So I'm going to go ask her. And then there's this person over here who has done something that's kind of like this also in a different way. I'm going to go ask them. And so there's a there's a there's a you're expected to at at ILM to be asking questions and you're expected to share what you've learned before because that's how we accomplish these things that you can't just sort of look up a tutorial you can't just do research by itself because like no one's ever tried this exactly before and that spirit is uh really contagious and exciting and it leads to sort of this combination of genius and humility that I've really really uh, enjoy. That's fascinating. You know, I, I often ask our guests on this, you know, you could do this work anywhere. Why Disney? But you really couldn't do this work anywhere. So it's amazing that ILM is, is really that, right? When you can't do the work anywhere else, sounds like that's when you have to come to ILM. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and that combination is really unique of you've got this community of incredible problem solvers, that are all about uh, accomplishing and achieving visual solutions and and visuals that have never been done before. And then in the broader Lucasfilm, Marvel, Disney world, you've got these people that are really good at coming up with really compelling problems uh, and visual ideas that would be astonishing if only they could be created. And then they come to us and we go, man, I really want to see that. How would we ever do that? And then we get busy and we figure out how to do it. So I'm sure there are so many folks who are listening to this just like me and are saying, oh my gosh, how can I get into some work like that, right? Like that is just amazing. What advice do you have for folks who are either starting their career or thinking about making a, a switch um, and are really inspired by the type of work you're doing? Boy, that's the question, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, one thing that I've learned over my career and my time is that people get very excited about tools and techniques. And of course, a certain amount of technical ability and the, and that kind of thing is important. And it's how a lot of us achieve our work day to day, but those things are always changing. And the underlying principles are not the, the, the traditions and the art and craft of these things are the same, uh, whether you're doing it with a paintbrush or a computer or, or whatever. So what I would encourage people is, although technical training is important and it's good to pursue those things, don't fall in love with tools and techniques. Fall in love with the underlying ideas and whether that's, you know, it could depend on your role, but an analogy I, I would use is learning a musical instrument is great, but what we want 
and what will make you a valuable contributor as things change is not to be an amazing guitar player or piano player. It's to be a great musician, to know and love the music underneath the instrument. And then as we all change instruments and we all do things in the future, you'll be ready because you know the music. If you are just an incredible guitar player, um, when, when we all switch instruments, you're, you're going to be you know, uh, not as prepared. So I would say the, the learning about color, learning about composition, learning about story, learning about all kinds of traditions, learning about the various things that feed the reason why we do all these things is more important than just learning the, the tools and techniques. We can teach you that. Uh, what takes longer is, is the, the underlying ideas. Ian, this has been so amazing. It's been so exciting to learn all about what you're doing, everything that's happening now at Industrial Light and Magic and all of the amazing innovation that you and your teams are leading. So thank you so much for joining us today and for really sharing so much of the magic behind Lucasfilm and ILM. Oh man, thank you very much. It's been an honor. Remember to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you are there, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review. Thanks again for listening to Life at Disney and make sure you join us for our next episode. This episode was produced by Christine Torres and Jaron Kaufman with contributions from Brianna Gold and Jessica Barnes. Editing was done by Claudia Benfield and Louis Vega. Music arranged and produced by Nat Young Music Group, Inc. Designing graphics by Kathy Collins and Louis Vega. And a very special thank you goes out to the Industrial Light and Magic team, Skywalker Sound, ILM X Lab Communications team, the Enterprise Non-Tech team, Anastasia Ali, Angela Leeds, Greg Gusby, Ian Kinzel, Janelle Tipton, Mariana Vega, Melissa Noyola, and Samantha Rosenberg.